Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to another edition of Solutions Watch. I am your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. It is July of 2023, and today we're going to discuss something that it may not be a new idea, but I think one that is worth re-examining. Specifically, you might recall that just in the past couple of days, I released a question for Corbett on the question of, are sanctions war? In which I elaborated on my answer that yes, sanctions are war, and also clarified uh, the confusion that surrounds the subject of sanctions, i.e. the imposition of limitations on transactions of individuals by presumed national authorities that have the presumed authority to dictate to every single individual living within their arbitrarily defined geographical boundaries who they can or cannot trade with. And that, of course, is a statist and obviously involuntary position that I obviously do not support. I also was clear to distinguish that from the flip side of that coin, which is boycotts, i.e. voluntary decisions that are made by people that I will not buy from this or that com company or individual or group or whatever. Uh, and of course, I, as a voluntarist, I... I wouldn't presume to have the authority to stop someone from doing a boycott, but I, nor would I want to. That is, of course, each and every person's individual decision, who they do or do not support with their money. As I say, this is not a new idea to you, especially if you are a longtime Corbett reporter. Um, you will remember some of the many, many examples of this that I have talked about in the past. For example, from 2013, I had a series of episodes and videos and conversations on the subject. For example, episode 275 on solutions, boycotts and boycotts. I also had a report on how to boycott Wall Street and how to boycott big tech. I had a conversation on James Corbett on the power of the boycott. I followed that up in 2017, talking about, so you've decided to boycott Google, dot, dot, dot. And you will recall, even in 2021, the previous edition of Solutions Watch on boycotts, which is the sort of the flip side of the boycott coin, the idea of not just withholding your money and stop not trading with someone, but specifically choosing to trade with someone, and more on which I will talk about in the near future. But as I say, this will not be a new idea to anyone in the world, let alone people who have been following the corporate report. But it is an idea that, very interestingly, is coming back to the forefront of the public consciousness in recent months. So tonight, for the first time in more than 20 years, Bud Light can no longer say it's the best-selling beer in the country. Because it is not. Not any longer. This beer is Modelo Especial. Look at the chart. You can see Bud Light sales have gone down since March. Modelo, in red, it's gone up in that same time phrase. Time frame, rather. Uh, Bud Light sales are down like 24% in just the last few weeks. It all started happening. What do you, you think? March? Well, what happened in March? This, right? Bud Light partnering with a trans influencer, Dylan Mulvaney, one of many influencers Bud Light partnered with to promote March Madness in this marketing campaign. There was huge conservative backlash. People were like boycotting the beer. They were posting on social media, running it over, dumping it out, etc. Crushing cans, shooting at them even. Target. Woke 
Alert is a service that sends shoppers text notifications when, quote, companies cave to the woke mob so they know the brands attacking their values. Stop scrolling. We got some breaking news. Anheuser-Busch, the beer titan, is experiencing an unprecedented sales freefall. Bud Light sales kept tumbling, dropping 3.7% from last week alone. The crisis began after an ill-advised promotional video sparked outrage and led to a nationwide boycott. Anheuser-Busch wider portfolio, including Bush and Stella Artois, report a similar alarming decline. But it's not just Anheuser-Busch, as Target and Starbucks are also caught in the crossfire of misplaced cultural priorities that have contributed to financial losses. Target's market cap tumbled over $15.7 billion because of a decision to move certain LGBTQ pride displays, while Starbucks has reportedly taken down pride decorations. And workers across 21 states allege that all pride decorations were removed. What? What are these strange muscles I didn't even know I had? It seems that I actually have the power to determine what I buy and where and when and from whom or who I do not buy from. And it seems that might actually make a real difference in the real world. What? No one ever told me this. And the normie's head begins to explode. Well, yes, okay, first of all, let's simply document the event for those who have been living under a rock for the past few months. In case you hadn't noticed, it started, well, started? At any rate, it the ball began rolling down the hill with the Bud Light campaign, the pan- campaign to boycott Bud Light specifically, that was started in the wake of a disastrous ad campaign in which Dylan Mulvaney, influencer Dylan Mulvaney's face was plastered all over some bl- specially produced Bud Light cans, and people took some umbrage to this once again thrusting of the trans agenda in the face of the public. So, we can document the fact uh, there have been many, many of these reports from certain outlets that say, oh, it's all, it's all hype and, oh, go woke, get broke isn't real, etc., etc. But you can, you can document some of the effects. For example, the first time in how, however many decades Bud Light is not the top selling beer in the United States. Well, there's, there's a demonstrable and definable, and you can see it on the chart it happened started it began in march and now modello is the best-selling beer in america if only people could teach americans about real beer but anyway um bud light cheaper than water at some locations because it broke bar rules reports outkick noting that you want to get tanked or stay hydrated bud light is making the decision a little easier after months of declining sales and major headwinds it's finally happened. Bud Light is now cheaper than a case of water. You know, the stuff we can literally get for free from our house. <laughs> or this very interesting story from just uh, the past week. Glass bottling plants forced to shut down, leaving 600 employees jobless amid Bud Light controversy. Noting that a glass bottling company impacted by Bud Light's botched promotion with transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney will close down two of its locations, laying off more than 600 hundred employees as the beer brand continues to grapple with staggering financial losses and declining sales. These are real-world effects that are happening as a result of this. And it's not, of course, just Bud Light. As people might have noticed, it has started to spread to other brands. For example, Target. Target loses $10 billion in 10 days as stocks fall following boycott over LGBTQ-friendly kids' clothing. Target has lost $10 billion in market valuation over the last 10 days 
as the popular retailer continues to face backlash over its pride-themed clothing line for children. A week ago Wednesday, Target enjoyed its stock value enjoyed its stock value <laughs> great writing guys at $160.96 a share but following the calls to boycott the Minneapolis-based retailer over its pride collection the value plummeted and closed Friday at $138.93 a share the nearly 14% drop in value for the blue chip stock roughly translate to, translates to $10.1 billion loss in valuation to just $64.2 billion for Target, which has nearly 2,000 stores nationwide. Wait, did I say a $10 billion loss? Make that 15. Target loses nearly $15 billion after boycott over LGBT pride merchandise. Stunning collapse. Target's loss of nearly $15 billion in market valuation since the start of a boycott over LGBT pride merchandise has woken up other companies about the importance of staying away from controversial issues, says businessman Kevin O'Leary. The stunning collapse of Target's market cap is almost unprecedented, O'Leary said. How this happened is being scrutinized by lots of other boards right now, and it's a discussion that's going on every day with institutional investors. On the one hand, companies want to show their support of diversity and all the mandates the society is discussing openly. On the other hand, the job of a business, particularly from the perspective of an investor, are concerned that maybe they're losing their way in terms of what that prime objective is, your customers, your employees, and yeah, your shareholders. Well, anyway, sort of a uh, uh, run-on sentence there that doesn't quite make sense, but you get the idea. There are real-world effects that are going on right now as a result of these various boycott campaigns plural, that are taking place, and now Woke Alert and other such things coming online to help people to direct their money and attention and energy and resources away from companies that may not be in line with people's values and maybe towards businesses that are. And on that very note, Vox, of course, raises the other side of this question. Who's making money on the anti-woke, anti-trans backlash? Because if you're not spending the money here, then where are you spending it? And they try to frame this in the sense of, okay, so now you got a Bud Light, uh, boycott Bud Light and Target and Chick-fil-A and Fox News. And, uh, well, how about Nike and Adidas, Speedo, Lululemon, LA Dodgers? Um, Bank of America is bad, and City is also on the list of companies, so I guess you got to change your bank account. Boycotting companies that don't align with your politics is exhausting, which is why most people don't, at least not for a sustained amount of time. It's hard enough to exist in the world without worrying whether every purchase you make matches up with your personal values, views and values. But in recent months, the push for conservative consumers to vote with their dollars, or rather downvote, by withholding their dollars has been rampant. So Vox News, oh boo-hoo, it's, oh, it's so hard to actually, you know, think about what you're buying and where and how and when. And oh my god, you might have to change your lifestyle. Just go to the store and buy the damn goods we shoved down your throat, damn it. <laughs> so y you see that this, this issue causes a bit of consternation. Now, feel free, of course, to insert your 5D conspiracy chess uh, idea of choice about why this particular boycott movement is taking off and why it is being allowed to happen because of course we know the rulers of the world control every person's everything they do and everything that's going on um, and so there's nothing you can ever do so lay down and die yeah, is basically the propaganda as it exists personally I think the idea just even the idea, regardless of what you think of the specifics of the way that this particular tool is being employed in this instance, the idea 
that you actually do have power to influence things as not just a consumer who just goes to a store and mindlessly buys whatever crap is there because it's there and it's so hard to do anything else. The idea that you can start making conscious decisions about where to direct your money and resources and time and energy and attention and everything else is anathema to the ruling oligarchy. They would prefer if this idea never arose in any context, regardless of who is being boycotted or for what reason or how this might play into some sort of larger agenda, the idea of boycotts itself is toxic and corrosive to a power elite that want you to be mindless consumers. So just the idea being seeded into the public consciousness is a win of sorts. But of course, feel free to talk about whether or not you think that in this particular case it is being directed in the right way or misdirected or noting the, the types of Fox News slash New York Post slash ChristianHeadlines.com types of uh, outlets that are covering the boycott from the positive perspective and the Vox.coms and MSNBCs and others that are trying to um, rain on that particular um, non-pride parade. Um, and you can talk about the culture war aspect of this and reflect on why why this boycott in this time is capture, capturing the public's attention. Because regardless of whatever whatever the media is saying about this on whatever side, at any rate, there are millions of people who are right now motivated and thinking about these issues and motivated enough to start changing their spending habits, which is no small feat. So there is something that has caught the public's attention and zeitgeist. And part of it is the the culture war types of issues that are as has been observed before, a fundamental part of the attention economy that has risen online, whereby news and facts and information are now only valuable insofar as they get you to click, and getting you to click is much easier when you are outraged. So we have the outrage-driven attention economy, which has exacerbated the culture war, which is part of divide and rule, conquer politics, etc., etc. So that's that's a first stab at a sort of 5D chess um, uh, conspiracy analysis of what's going on here. But having said that, once again, I think that the idea of boycotts and consciously withholding our money and resources from companies or groups that we are not aligned with, that do not align with our values, is a very interesting idea. And one that, as I say, I've been talking about for many years. And so the real question is, can this momentum be directed in other ways? Can, can we take this from just simply a culture war issue that is particularly an American culture war issue and make it, maybe make it in sort of a more broad weapon that can be wielded against the oligarchs and their power on truly important world important issues like, say, the destruction of modern-day apartheid Omar, let me ask you, um, can you share with our audience uh, a brief history of BDS? Sure. BDS was launched in 2005 by the absolute majority of Palestinian society in historic Palestine, as well as in exile. So it's a consensus movement. The coalition of political parties, all trade unions, women's unions, youth, academics, farmers, artists, everyone uh, has participated in this movement since it's, uh, it was launched in 2005. But it wasn't uh, uh, something that came out of the blue. It has very deep roots in Palestinian nonviolent popular resistance that goes back to the 1920s against British imperialism, 
British colonization of Palestine and later uh, Zionist settler colonialism in, in Palestine. Boycott has always been used by Palestinians as a key form of popular resistance. But it's also very inspired by the South African anti-apartheid movement and by the civil rights movement in the United States, uh, Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King, and so on. Still till today, Black Lives Matter and the movement for black lives in the U.S. is a key inspiration for our uh, work. So BDS calls for three basic rights, ending the occupation of 1967, Gaza and the West Bank, including East Jerusalem, ending the system of racial domination and discrimination, which is apartheid, and the right of return for refugees, basic Palestinian rights under international law. The movement is intersectional. It sees that the struggle for Palestinian liberation is interconnected with progressive struggles across the world. It's not isolated from them. We cannot liberate the Palestinians by ourselves. We've got to connect with progressive movements worldwide, first on principle and second pragmatically, because we cannot win against a very unified uh, far-right, xenophobic right, financial right that's growing around the world. Without unity, there's no way to fight. As progressives, there's no way to win against uh, the very vicious uh, capitalism, imperialism, and, and it's very militarized manifestation uh, today. A very important part of BDS is that we're anti-racist, as I mentioned earlier. We oppose all forms of racism. So as you mentioned, that we would stand with any Jewish person facing persecution, absolutely. We would support that and we would stand against any attack on a person because he or she is Jewish. We absolutely categorically oppose anti-Semitism because we, we never accept that Israel equals all Jews. In fact, that equation is anti-Semitic. Making all Jewish persons equal Israel means there's no Jewish diversity. That's a very anti-Semitic premise. And that's Israel premise. That's the Zionist movement's premise, that all Jews equal Israel. Israel is equal, it speaks for all Jews. So that's a very anti-Semitic uh, formula. Since it's, it's launched in, in 2005, BDS has achieved quite a lot in the academic sphere, cultural, economic, financial, sports, and so on. Uh, rather than spend a lot of time, I'll just give very few examples. Uh, some of the biggest companies in the world, Veolia, the French company, was kicked out of its Israeli business in 2015. We, we managed the BDS movement after a seven-year campaign that cost Veolia over 20 billion, with a B, 20 billion dollars over a seven-year period. It lost contracts in Sweden, the UK, Ireland, the US, Kuwait, and across the world. Ultimately, shareholders of Veolia decided, enough, let's pull out of those Israeli projects that violate international law. It's not worth it. They pulled out. After Veolia, several companies pulled out of the Israeli market because of BDS campaigning against them. Uh, um, that's one aspect. Another aspect is major sovereign funds, pension funds, like the Norwegian Pension Fund a few days ago, the Norwegian Pension Fund, the biggest sovereign fund in the world, worth $1.3 trillion, divested from two Israeli companies because of their in involvement in the occupation and settlement business and war crimes. Uh, the United Nations has issued a database of companies that are involved in the settlement industry, and increasingly sovereign funds in New Zealand, in the Netherlands, in Norway, and major churches in the United States are divesting from some of those companies. And some companies are not on the UN list, but are complicit, like HP, Hewlett-Packard, AXA, CAF, and we're going after them. Going after them, meaning we're, we're pressuring city councils to exclude them from tenders. We're pushing people, uh, investment funds to exclude them from investments and so on and so forth. 
In parallel with that, we do a lot of work on academic sphere, cultural sphere, but to explain, though we are inspired by the South African boycott, there's a huge difference, Yanis. In the South African boycott, which I was part of when I went to school in the United States, we boycotted everyone and everything South African, as you would remember. That's what the ANC called on us to do. We follow the lead of the oppressed. In the Palestinian-led BDS movement, we don't call for a boycott of Israelis. We call for a boycott of institutions that are complicit in Israel's violations. We don't target Israelis. We don't target identity. We target complicity. And that's a very, very important difference. We have many Israeli partners, Jewish Israeli partners in the BDS movement. Boycott from Within is a group within Israeli society that calls for BDS, not to mention the many, many Jewish partners around the world, the biggest of them being Jewish Voice for Peace in the United States, the fastest growing progressive Jewish organization in the world. And we're very proud of that. So we work in the Arab world, in the global south, across the world with many partners, especially the largest trade unions. And just to end this point, just to give the Greek audience and, and European audience an example, maybe it will make some Europeans more modest. Um, the biggest farmers union in India with 16 million members has endorsed BDS. The largest progressive women's coalition in India with 10 million members endorsed BDS. And the largest student union in India with 4 million members endorsed BDS. Just think of those numbers. Now, I'm going to assume that people in the Corbett Report crowd probably are at least aware of the existence of the BDS campaign slash movement, boycott, divestment, and sanctions. But if not, well, you could get up to speed by going, for example, to the bdsmovement.net website, which talks about the campaign, what it involves, has an overall inter intro to the idea, which explains that Boycott Divestment Sanctions, BDS, is a Palestinian-led movement for freedom, justice, and equality. BDS upholds the simple principle that Palestinians are entitled to the same rights as the rest of humanity. Well, that doesn't seem controversial, but devil is in the details, right? Israel is occupying and colonizing Palestinian land, discriminating against Palestinian citizens of Israel, and denying Palestinian refugees the right to return to their homes. Inspired by the South African anti-apartheid movement, the BDS call urges action to pressure Israel to comply with international law. BDS is now a vibrant global movement made up of unions, academic associations, churches, and grassroots movements across the world. Since its launch in 2005, BDS is having a major impact and is a effectively challenging international support for Israeli apartheid and settler colonialism. And it goes into some more details, talks about the boycotts involving withdrawing support from Israelis, uh, Israel's apartheid regime, complicit Israeli sport and cultural and academic institutions, and from all Israeli and international companies engaged in violation of Palestinian human rights. And as Omar Bagudi, the co-founder of the BDS movement, explained in that interview, this is about targeting specific violators of international law, specific companies that are specifically working in illegally colonized lands, etc., what have you. Not a blanket boycott of everything Israeli or everything Jewish, but specific institutions, organizations, and companies. Uh, divestment campaigns urge banks, local councils, churches, pension funds, and universities to withdraw investments from the state of Israel and all Israeli and international companies that sustain Israeli apartheid. So we've got the B and the D, the boycotts and the divestment, both of which are completely in line with what we're talking about today. Whether you agree or disagree, who has the right to step in and say, no, you can't decide to voluntarily not buy 
from this company or from this organization or what have you, or trade with this particular bank or group. Or divestment, urging pensions and churches and local councils and what have you not to invest in this, not to buy from this company. Of course, anyone can start a campaign to try to pressure a pension or whoever to not engage in business with someone. But this is where, of course, it does start to trace stray into that territory that we were talking about on questions for Corbett earlier this week, sanctions. Sanctions campaigns pressure governments to fulfill their legal obligations to end Israeli apartheid and not aid or assist its maintenance by banning businesses with illegal Israeli settlements, ending military trade and free trade agreements, as well as suspending Israel's membership in international forums such as UN bodies and FIFA. Well, anyway, okay, yeah, the the geopolitical wranglings at the nation-state level are of little interest to voluntarists. But anyway, I'm all about the B and the D, not so much the S. Boycotts and divestment, not sanctions. But anyway, these are ideas that are being used right now, and they are having effects in the real world. Um, So if you want more information about the actual call and what it actually says, it was signed on the 9th of July, 2005, so almost exactly uh, 18 years ago. And it talks about the persistent violations of international law and the hundreds of UN resolutions that have condemned Israelis' uh, colonial and discriminatory practices, and the fact that all forms of international intervention and peacemaking have until now failed to convince or force Israel to comply with humanitarian law. We, representatives of Palestinian civil society, call upon international civil society organizations and people of conscience all over the world to impose broad boycotts, and implement divestment initiatives against Israel, similar to those applied to South Africa. Yada yada, nonviolent punitive measures should be maintained until Israel meets its obligation to recognize Palestinian people's inalienable rights to self-determination and fully complies with the precepts of international law by ending its occupation and colonization of all Arab lands and dismantling the wall, recognizing fundamental rights of the Arab-Palestinian citizens of Israel to full equality, and respecting, protecting, and promoting the rights of Palestinian refugees to return to their homes and properties as stipulated in UN Resolution 194. Now, as I say, 18 years of BDS has resulted in some actual, real-world, tangible results so far. And let's, uh, let's blow this up a little. So as we approach the 18th birthday, let's look at 18... Highlights, essentially. Uh, G4S, the largest security firm in the world, decided to completely divest from apartheid Israel. Barcelona's mayor suspended institutional relations with apartheid Israel, including the twinning agreement with Tel Aviv. Oslo announced it will exclude from procurement companies uh, companies that directly or indirectly contribute to Israel's illegal settlement enterprise. The Belgian city of Liege voted to end all ties with Israel. Uh, and Verviers, sorry Belgians in the crowd, cut its ties with the Israeli apartheid regime to strengthen its support for the Palestinian people. The mayor mayor of Belém in Brazil declares the city an apartheid-free zone, uh, etc., etc. Palestinian trade union bodies and professional syndicates urge to la la Canadian Union public employees, Sam Smith, South African Rugby Union. Anyway, there are specific things that have happened as a result of this, and some signs that, in fact, although 
some people might think, well, this was kind of going on a decade ago, but it's kind of yesterday's news. No, it's still continuing. So a good overview article for people to catch up to speed was just from uh, a couple of months ago from Mint Press News, how European cities are breathing new life into the BDS movement. And it's got a lot of info on some of those moves that um, city mayors, like this, the mayor of um, Barcelona and Oslo have made recently and some of the momentum there, but also, of course, some of the pushback that is happening because, yes, believe it or not, we demand equal human rights for Palestinians. How dare you? How absolutely dare you? Well, again, regardless of what you think of BDS in particular and whether or not you support its ultimate aims, isn't it interesting that a boycott movement is being countered by legislation in country after country that is seeking to ban people from being able to boycott? Imagine you could get a fine of up to $1 million and 20 years in prison for supporting a boycott. Well, under the guidance of APAC, Congress is considering a bill which will do just that. The aim of the bill is to make it illegal to support the BDS movement. It already has nearly 300 co-sponsors among Democrats and Republicans in both houses. And in breaking news, the German parliament, the Bundestag, has just passed an unprecedented piece of legislation condemning the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement known as the BDS. They deemed BDS anti-Semitic and illegal. Any anti-Israel policy is an anti-Texas policy. Texas is not going to do business with any company that boycotts Israel. I'm proud to have commemorated Israel's Independence Day by signing into law anti-BDS legislation in Texas. End quote. For the second year in a row, a show of support for Israel in the UN General Assembly Hall, and a rally against the boycott, divest, sanctions, or BDS movement, which is trying to punish Israel for its treatment of Palestinians in the occupied West Bank. The British Parliament voted this week to approve a bill that will ban public bodies from boycotting Israeli goods. Now, the measure, which passed 268 to 70, was pushed forward by Community Secretary Michael Gove, who says the bill guarantees foreign policy remains a UK government matter. The bill will fine public bodies which initiate economic boycotts against Israel or other countries that aren't in line with the government's position. The Canadian Prime Minister also demonized the peaceful boycott, divestment and sanctions movement, BDS, claiming that it is supposedly fueling anti-Semitism. Now, again, regardless of what you think, your personal politics and what you think of BDS in particular, I think it is incredibly telling that government after government is trying to make it illegal for people to boycott a certain entity. That is on its face, lunacy, and in I, I think in any other context would be seen for the draconian authoritarianism that it is. Imagine if the U.S. government tried to pass a bill that made it illegal for you to boycott Bud Light. <laughs> what would that even look like? You must buy a six-pack a week or else you're, you're going to jail. Uh, at any rate, it, it's insane that there would be this type of legislative pushback and can only be explained by the fact that a real and true and concerted effort of boycott and divestment, sanctions, uh, that is a powerful weapon that I think the oligarchs truly are afraid of, because I've said it before many, many times, the power that they, them, those have 
comes from us. Even when you look at the phony baloney fake engineered monetary system, the completely controlled monetary system of money as debt that we live under, the point is that actually, it, sometimes people say the Fed prints money up out of thin air. No, they the banking system allows banks via their charter to create money out of out of nothing? No, out of our promise to pay them back. Our blood, sweat, and tears, our labor underlies the value of their monetary system, their fake paper money that they're, they're conjuring into existence, out of the back of our labor, our time, our energy. Then we take those dollars, pesos, yen, whatever that they conjure up out of that promise, and then we give it to the very companies and corporations that are working against our interests. Here, here, Apple, here, here, Microsoft, here, whoever, Bud Light, whoever else, here, take these, this money that is our, our work, our sweat, our tears go into this, and then we'll pay you so that then you can go and do things that we don't like. That's insanity. But don't worry, the voxes of the world will come along and tusk tusk. Oh, it's so difficult to think about how you're spending money. No one wants to do that. So just buy whatever. Buy whatever's thrust in front of your face and stop thinking. Yeah, I think the oligarchy does fear widespread understanding and use of this of this weapon, if you can call it that. Um, so I think at any rate, again, regardless of what you think of BDS in particular, just the way that this is playing out tells you a lot about the power structure and the way it operates and presents us with a way forward. I've said it before. I'll say it again. We are paying for the, the privilege of buying the fondle slabs and the other technology of our own surveillance and, uh, and enslavement. Maybe we should put some thought into maybe I shouldn't be buying from this company. Maybe I shouldn't be supporting that entity with my my money, let alone my time, my energy, my resources, my attention, all of the other ways that we pay into the economy more broadly defined. So anyway, I think it's an important thing for us to continue to think about and to track. And on that note, let's come up with a specific, uh, a specific task for the near future, because I have a very specific entity in mind that I think should definitely be boycotted, even more importantly, perhaps, than a Bud Light or Target or what have you. I think there is an entity that really should be boycotted, and there are people working on that in various ways. I'm going to have a future solutions watch on that entity and how to boycott, how to undermine it specifically, but that will be coming later in the summer. In the meantime, I'm interested in hearing your ideas and thoughts on what specifically should be boycotted and how can the public be brought on board with that boycott? Because of course, as the past few months and what has been playing out in the American economic context has demonstrated, if enough people are aware of and motivated about a specific issue and are given a specific target, excuse the pun, to go after, well, that can be very effective and it can cause billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars in losses to companies that whatever 5D chess is at play, those companies probably don't want those billions of dollars in losses. So it can be effective, but where should we be directing this energy and this attention? Now that people are aware and starting to flex muscles and realizing that they have power, this is a good prime opportunity to start 
to start a boycott campaign that might actually have real ramifications and on the wider scheme of things. So uh, that's my task for you guys out there. If you are interested in participating in the conversation, I invite you to log into CorbettReport.com to go to today's Solutions Watch episode at CorbettReport.com slash SolutionsWatch dash boycott and to leave your thoughts. What entities should be targeted? How should the public be brought on board with this campaign? And to what end? Um, what's the next goal? How do you pro- propel that into some sort of greater movement? Anyway, something to keep in mind, something to think about, something to track as we go forward. And as always with Solutions Watch ideas that are being thrown out there, we're going to track what works, what doesn't, what sticks to the wall, what never worked in the first place, and adjust our way forward accordingly. But on that note, I think we'll leave it there for today. I am James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. Thank you for joining me today. I'm looking forward to talking to you again in the near future.